I think I turned it on, did I? Sometimes I forget to do that. Well, I am so blessed to be here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. I have heard so much about this ministry throughout the years, and uh, I've had the opportunity to be here for one of the uh, Baptist Church Ministry Network state meetings, and uh, it was a blessing to be here on that occasion, but this is a real blessing to be here on a Sunday and to really just experience what God is doing here at this church. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you are really blessed to be a part of a great church. Amen. I figured the amen be a little bit bigger than that. Amen. Uh, this is a blessing to be a part of a thriving and growing church. So many churches across America have either plateaued or they are in decline. And so to be a part of a church that is growing like your church is growing, uh, you need to praise the Lord for that. And I'll tell you this, I truly believe everything rises and falls on leadership. And you've got a great leader, a great pastor. I actually had him preach at one of our national meetings there uh, at Canton for the Baptist Church Ministry Network. And he brought a great, great message there. And uh, you are blessed to have a man uh, who is a student of God's Word and who faithfully preaches God's Word week in and week out. A lot of churches are no longer doing that. I say that at our church, and almost everybody looks at me like, really? And it's like, you're blessed to be a part of a church. Anytime we can be a part of a church where they are preaching and teaching the Word of God faithfully week in and week out, let me tell you, that's something you don't take for granted. Uh, you are blessed here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And I am just uh, really encouraged by what the Lord is doing here. We're glad that we could be a part of this ministry in a small way by sending that check here. Uh, we help this church, and we also uh, help Ben Myers over in Eaton, Ohio. I think it's Gospel Light Baptist Church. And uh, we're all about seeing some other good independent Baptist Bible preaching churches started all throughout the state of Ohio, and uh, you're one of those that we want to be a part of. In fact, after seeing it today, I'm telling you, you need a, you need a building, amen? <laughs> you need a building, so uh, we're trusting and believing that God's going to do that, and I know that if it drags on out even further, we will certainly try to help again to contribute toward the end of this year and to be a part of what the Lord is doing here. Well, if you have a Bible this morning, open it please to the Gospel of Luke chapter 5. The Gospel of Luke chapter 5. And I hope that you do bring a Bible with you to church. Uh, we as Baptists, we are known to be people of the book. And uh, that means that we preach and teach the Word of God at our churches. And uh, you need to have a Bible so that you can follow along and be a student of God's Word yourself. Uh, your pastor mentioned about how he is preaching on the subject of faith, and I have been doing the same thing. In fact, I believe we have both been in Hebrews chapter 11. I like to think that great minds think alike, right? Uh, I've been preaching through the various characters there. Our theme for the year uh, for 2024 at Canton Baptist is by faith, by faith. And I want to continue this thought about faith and talk a little bit about the importance of faith, especially uh, not only at Canton Baptist Temple, but also, here, also right here at Lighthouse Baptist Church and what God is doing. So Luke chapter 5, I'm going to look at some verses here in just a moment, but I want us to think about working together 
with faith. Working together with faith. Now, throughout the Gospels, now when we say Gospels, we're talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Throughout the Gospels, we find story after story about real people with real needs, right? Now, these are real people. These are not like fables or myths. These are real stories about real people, and they have real needs in their lives. Some were men, and some were women. Some were old people, and some were young people. Some were prominent people. I think about the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And then some were what we would call social outcasts. Some were religious people, and some were possessed by demons. Some had physical needs, and some had emotional needs. But ultimately, all of them had a spiritual need that only Jesus could meet. Only Jesus has the power to spiritually save a person. Only Jesus has the power to forgive a person of all of their sins. Only Jesus has the power to radically transform a person's life. Listen to me because when you're reading through the Gospels, whether we're talking about a blind man or a deaf person, a leper, a widow, a prostitute, religious people, mothers, fathers, children, or even his very own disciples, Jesus was the only one who had the power to change their lives. And by the way, he still has that power today. God has the power to change your life. Jesus can save you. Jesus can forgive you of all of your sins. You say, preacher, you have no idea all the sins that I have committed over my lifetime. I don't need to know what all those sins are. God already knew what those sins would be, and he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for them. If you will simply believe, Jesus will give you the gift of eternal life. Jesus can take you out of the kingdom of spiritual darkness and he can place you in the kingdom of spiritual light. Jesus can deliver you from the strongholds of sin. Jesus is the answer, amen? That's what I'm trying to say to you. Jesus is the answer. And when you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read the stories about one real person with a real need, one after the other, you begin to convince yourself as you read, and it's the Holy Spirit convincing us, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Most of those people had sought for answers in other places and they were hopeless and they were just coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, if you don't do it, I don't know who can. The same Jesus that we read about in the Gospels who ministered to all kinds of people is the same Jesus who can radically transform our lives. We must not forget the words of Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now you think about that. We change, right? We do. We change. But Jesus never changes. The same Jesus in the Gospels is the same Jesus today. And the same Jesus today, if he tarries his return, he's going to be the same Jesus in our hearts and lives tomorrow and in the week and the month and the year ahead. Jesus never changes. 
And so we're looking at a story here in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, where Jesus healed a man who, according to verse 18, was taken with a palsy. In other words, he was paralyzed and he was not able to walk. I want us to read the story, and if you will, stand for the reading of God's Word this morning as I read in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. I want to read down to verse 26. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would take the Word of God and plant it deep within our hearts and souls today. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each of our hearts about this important matter of of faith and how we need to work together with faith in order to see you do some great things in our churches. And so, God, I pray that you would do what only you can do in our lives today, And I pray, Lord, that you would use me to be a blessing to these people as we look at Luke chapter 5. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. This story that I've just read is recorded in three out of the four Gospels. We find the story right here in Luke chapter 5. We also find it in Matthew chapter 9 and also the Gospel of Mark chapter 2. Now notice that the paralyzed man not only had a physical need in his life, but he also had a spiritual need. We know that the man received physical healing because when Jesus told him, arise, notice that what he tells him to do, he says, arise, take up thy couch and go into thine house. And notice there uh, what the Bible says, and he arose and what he departed to his house. You talk about total, immediate, 
and complete healing. Now you think about it because he had, uh, he had no intention of going to rehab or therapy. Uh, I have a, a, a historic church. Our church has been in existence for 85 years there in Canton, Ohio. How, how old is your church? Seven. There's the big difference, right? Seven years opposed to 85 years that we have been in that community. And so I, I've got some people that have been there for 50 and 60 years at our church. They're getting up in years. And a lot of them have what we call knee replacements. Uh, have you ever had knee replacement? And knee replacements, hip replacements, uh, rotator cuff surgery. They go through all kinds of those surgeries, and we, we go and we visit them at the hospital, and we have prayer with them before their surgery, and then we, we visit them after the surgery, check on them, see how they're doing. Usually they go from the hospital to the rehab center. For instance, we have Altman Hospital there in Canton, Ohio. Well, they have a rehab center, a therapy center called Altman Woodlawn. It's located on Woodlawn Avenue. So a lot of times we'll visit them there in the hospital, and later on we'll visit them over at Woodlawn. And uh, boy, they'll talk about how the therapy is painful. <laughs> you know, oh man, they're forcing me to get up and to walk, and, and they're talking about how it hurts and all those kind of things. I cannot help but notice when I'm reading this story here, there's no rehab, there's no therapy, there's no physical exercise that this man had to go through. There was not a period of time of recuperation where his weak legs would eventually get stronger. No, one minute he couldn't walk, and the very next moment he walked and he skipped, and I believe he probably even ran all the way home. That's the miracle that Jesus can do. It's complete, it's instant, and it's fully uh, seeable for others around you. Several men had carried him on a mat to Jesus. The word that is used here is a couch, not the couch that we would have in our living rooms because most of the time probably four men couldn't pick up some of those couches. But here we see a mat. It was like a mat that he would lay upon and they picked up that mat with him on there and brought him to Jesus but when he was healed he instantly walked away that day carrying the mat that he was lying on whenever they brought him to Jesus but we also know that he received what not only physical healing but he received spiritual healing because Jesus said to him he says right here uh, be of good cheer, because what? Your sins are forgiven you. Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. The paralyzed man came to Jesus looking for physical healing, but he walked away with the greatest blessing he could ever have, and that was the forgiveness of his sins. Psalm 32 and verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. That word blessed means happy. The paralyzed man was happy that he could finally walk, but I believe he was even happier that his sins had been forgiven. You say, why do you say that? Well, because the paralyzed man would one day get old, right? He would one day get old and no doubt maybe become bedridden and not able to walk again. But the forgiveness of his sins was for all of eternity. But I draw your attention to that statement in verse 20 because that's really what I want to develop here today in all of our hearts and minds. Verse 20, And when he, that is Jesus, saw their faith. Whose faith did he see? He saw the faith of the friends 
who had carried this paralyzed man to Jesus. You could say that they were what? Working together with faith for the sake of their friend who was paralyzed. Now I want you to notice several things about their faith. Number one, it was unwavering faith. It was an unwavering faith that these friends had. May I remind you of the words found in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Notice we are not to have a wavering faith, but we are to have a what? An unwavering faith. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. The friends of this paralyzed man had an unwavering faith, which means that they were fully convinced and they believed that Jesus had the power to heal him. No doubt they had heard and maybe even seen of some of the healings that Jesus had performed. They had seen the blind being able to see, uh, the deaf being able to hear, uh, the leper being completely cleansed of leprosy. He would be made whole again. Uh, they had seen maybe where somebody was on their deathbed, Jesus would just simply touch them or speak the word and they would be restored to health. They even saw dead people come back to life. And they must have thought to themselves, if Jesus can do that, for those people, I believe that he can do a miracle in the life of our friend as well. You see, these men were convinced that Jesus was the answer for their friend. Let me ask you a question. Do you have an unwavering faith that Jesus can do the impossible in the life of someone that you really care about today? I want you to think about whoever that person is. Maybe that person is a, a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's a son or, or a daughter. I know that earlier when someone was walking out, they said, the Lord really used the messages today in the morning service and in the Sunday school hour because I've got a son that, that's not right with the Lord and has really, really gone astray. And, and I'm thinking, who, who is that person this morning that you love and you really care about? I remember many years ago having a mission conference at our church where a pastor uh, from Wichita, Kansas came to preach and we had uh, flown him out on a plane to come out and speak at our conference and I pulled up outside the airport there at the baggage claim and uh, whenever he came out and as I was helping to load up his, his uh, luggage and everything, I could tell something just wasn't right with him and finally he looked at me and he said, Mike, he said, I have had excruciating tooth pain uh, that has been going on all day long in, in all of my flights. And he said, if I, don't, if I don't get some relief, I don't think there's any way I'm going to be speaking tomorrow at the church. So uh, I thought, boy, if I don't get him some help, we're in trouble. He's not going to be speaking at our conference. So I, uh, I contacted one of our faithful members, Dr. Larry Tromka. Uh, he's a dentist in our church, and he also operates one of our cameras on Sunday morning, just a humble servant of God and one of the assistant teachers and one of our adult classes. And I, I had faith. I had faith that Dr. Tromka would take care of the problem. And so we, we drove uh, Mark all the way up to Cuyahoga Falls where uh, Dr. Larry Tromka has his dental practice there. And thank the Lord, uh, he was able to take care of the problem. And the next day, 
Mark was able to preach at church. <laughs> now, I had faith that, that Dr. Tromka could take care of that. I remember uh, 22 years ago when my wife went into labor with our youngest son, Connor. He's now a, a firefighter in Columbia, South Carolina. But I, I remember whenever uh, it was time for him to be born, I immediately got in the car and uh, headed off to take her down to Altman Hospital. Now, you got to understand, as the pastor of Canton Baptist Temple, I do a lot of hospital visits. As a matter of fact, tomorrow is Monday. Monday is my day to do hospital visits. We have a pastor up every day, Monday through Friday, and visiting all of our members and names that are turned in. And uh, I have been back and forth to Altman Hospital. I couldn't tell you how many times. And when my wife said, hey, Mike, it is time to get to the hospital. I couldn't find my way to the hospital suddenly. And my wife, Rachel, was having to say, turn here, turn here. you, you got to go this way, you know. I, I, it was like I was lost. But I had confidence, I had faith that whenever I got there to the hospital that they would take care of Rachel and that Connor would be born okay. Now, here, here's my point that I'm trying to get at. We often have faith in Dennis. We have faith in doctors. You even have faith at the pharmacy that they're putting the right medicine in that, that, that little uh, container whenever you get it going through the drive-thru. Have you ever thought about that? What if they're putting the wrong meds in the wrong bottle? Maybe the wrong name on the wrong bottle? It, we have faith, right? We understand faith. We practice faith every day. But do we have that kind of unwavering faith in Jesus where we believe that he can take care of whatever impossible situation that our loved one or the person that we love and really care about that they're going through. Do we pray with unwavering faith? Do we witness with unwavering faith? With unwavering faith, do we point people to Jesus? Do we believe that our God is the all-sufficient one who can meet every need in every person's life. You see, the same Jesus who turned the water into wine, the same Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead, the same Jesus who calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee, the same Jesus who delivered the maniac of Gadara from thousands of demons, the same Jesus that we're reading about here in Luke chapter 5 who made the paralyzed man able to walk again is the same Jesus that every last one of us needs working in our hearts and lives. You see, with unwavering faith, we must believe so that others can experience that same miracle-working power in their lives as well. You see, we've got to have an unwavering faith. Our God is able, as we learn during the Sunday school hour, He is able to do the impossible. <laughs> when you think that all hope is gone, and you think, boy, I, there's no way God is there. And God is able to do the impossible in our lives. Number two, it was not only an unwavering faith that they had, but they had an active faith, an active faith. I'm reminded of the words found in James 2, verse 26. So faith without works is dead also. We can have faith. But that faith doesn't accomplish much if we don't act upon it. 
the friends of this paralyzed man could have sat around and talked to him about how they believed Jesus could heal him. You know how we love to sit around and talk about stuff, right? That's what good Baptists love to do, and usually food's involved, amen? So we have food, and we're sitting around, and we're just talking. We're just talking. Well, they could have done that. They could have sat around with, with this man and said, oh, I'm just telling you, boy, we, we've seen Jesus do some amazing things. You know, they could have told him story after story, maybe, where they saw somebody who was far worse than this man that Jesus had touched or Jesus had spoken the word, and they were instantly healed. They, they could have just sat around and, and talked about faith and how faith was so important, but their faith was active. You know what they did? They picked him up while he's still on that mat and they carried him on the mat and then they went and they tore open the roof of the house. Their faith, by the way, would have been dead if they had not done that, but their faith had what? Works attached to it. <laughs> so they had an active faith. So our faith is never, ever supposed to be passive, but rather it's always to be active. We're not just supposed to talk about the importance of faith. We have to what? Live it. We have to put faith into action in our lives. We can believe that Jesus saves, but we have to have what? Active faith in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross in order for him to save us. There's a lot of people who will miss heaven by about six inches. They understand up here, right? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. He conquered death in the grave with his victorious resurrection. But have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you put your faith in the finished work of atonement that he accomplished on that old rugged cross? You see, it's faith that makes the difference, right? And so faith is not something that we just think about in the mind and we, we, we talk about, but it is something that we are to put into practice where we believe God, we stand on the promises of God, we trust Him to do what only He can do. You see, we can believe that Jesus can save our, our family members and our, our friends, but it's when we, what, in active faith, take the opportunity to share the gospel with them that things begin to happen. We can believe that Jesus can and wants to grow the ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church. But it's when we have active faith and we begin to go out and we invite others to come and to visit our church, that's when the difference begins to happen. Do you see the difference between the two? We're supposed to act upon our faith. Faith is not just a way of thinking. Faith is a way of living. Are you living your life by faith? <laughs> the, the, the verse that we have underneath all the banners of the by faith that we have the theme for 2024 at Canton Baptist is that we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith, right? When you walk by sight, it's just what you can see and what you can conceive happening it's what, what you can calculate. It's what your logic, your human understanding can process. But when you walk by faith, suddenly it's what God can do, not what you can do. There's a big difference there. Faith isn't just a way of thinking. 
It is a way of living and doing ministry. It's interesting when you read Hebrews 11. Your pastor has been in Hebrews 11. I've been in Hebrews 11. That's a great chapter on the subject of faith. As a matter of fact, I don't think you can even teach about the subject of faith without making reference to Hebrews chapter 11. Each person that is mentioned in Hebrews 11, they did something by faith. I don't know if you noticed that, by faith. Those two words appear over and over again in Hebrews chapter 11. For instance, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. By faith, Abraham sojourned in the land of promise. By faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt. I could go on and on. I'm not, I'm not trying to wear you out on that, but my point is this. All those individuals who are mentioned for their faith in Hebrews chapter 11 are mentioned and their names are in God's inspired word because they did something with their faith. You see, if Abraham had not gone up Mount Moriah with Isaac, we wouldn't be hearing about his faith. <laughs> if Moses had not led the Israelites across the Red Sea, we wouldn't be hearing about his faith. Their faith was not a passive faith. It was an active faith. Is that the kind of faith that you have? You say, oh, preacher, I have faith. Well, good for you. What are you doing with it? It's easy to say, I'm a man of faith, or I'm a woman of faith. Oh, I believe in the importance of faith. You do? Okay, what are you doing with it? That, that's the example that we have here in Scripture. You see, faith never sits back and does nothing. <laughs> For those of you who are not involved in ministry here at Lighthouse Baptist Church, I want to tell you that faith means getting up and doing something. Not sit, soak, and get sour, right? That's what a lot of members, they come to church, they sit and soak and evaluate everybody else is doing and get sour about everything. No, by faith, you ought to get involved. Don't sit back, get involved. Faith will enlist itself in the battle. Faith commits to make a difference. I want my life to make a difference. Faith refuses to give up no matter what the obstacles might be. Like Caleb of old, faith says, I want that mountain. It's by faith that victory is won. It's by faith that churches grow. It's by faith that buildings are built. You need a building. I remember when we built our Family Life Center, uh, we got started with that project in 2019. Actually, the foundation and the structure, the, the steel structure began to go up. Uh, we added about 30,000 square feet on top of our 150,000 square foot property there. So we have about 180, 190, close to that, lot to maintain, uh, lots of custodians. But anyway... Uh, that started in September, and uh, little did I know, God is omniscient, I am not omniscient. Uh, little did I know in March of 2020, this COVID pandemic would hit. <laughs> oh my goodness, some of the staff still laugh about how when we sat down and had a leadership staff meeting trying to figure out how to deal with it, I said, hey, you know what, probably two weeks this will be all done and, and gone away. 
And here we are, years later, still talking about it, right? But I thought to myself, how in the world are we going to pay for this $6.8 million project? <laughs> Man, if I'd have known that we were going to have to shut down for a while, and we were wondering how we are going to pay just operating bills, you know? Are the tithes and offerings going to still come in? And how are they? Oh, my goodness. We, we were really, to use the word, we were freaking out. You know what I mean? I mean, we were spaz cases at that point, just wondering how in the world all this is going to happen. But you know what? God honored our faith. I remember walking through that steel structure on some of those cold days with a, a coat on all by myself, just talking out loud, praying to God, <laughs> just walking off, stepping off the place. And, oh, Lord, you, you knew. You knew that this COVID thing was going to happen. And, Lord, you knew I knew nothing about it. I started this project in September, and how in the world, Lord, are we going to pay the bills? And just walking through, we had uh, all the ones that were doing the, the steel, the company doing the steel construction, the framing was from West Virginia. And then they got nervous at some points about coming up to Ohio. You know how it was so crazy during that time. We were scared of the person next. You know, it was amazing how those, well, I won't get into that. Anyway. <laughs> But we, we, we were just hit with one delay after the other. And we were wondering how in the world this was going to happen. But it did take about an extra year to build the Family Life Center that we have there. But I want you to know that God blessed and honored our faith. And when we didn't know what to do or how to do it or where the money was going to come from, God supplied all of our needs. And I remember the day that we walked in there to dedicate that facility uh, we were able to say $6.8 million, it's completely paid for, we're debt-free. <laughs> and that was a miracle. That was an absolute miracle. There was none of us that could say, yeah, I did that. It was some real planning and some serious thinking behind closed doors, lots of meetings and this and that. No, all of us stepped back and said, that's a God thing. That's a God thing. Now, if we'd have been passive and if we'd have held back and said, no, we... we, we I, we had to be active with our faith, trusting God to do what only God could do at our church. And so it's by faith that churches grow. It's by faith that, that buildings are built. You see, our faith has to be active. It cannot be passive. Number three, I want you to notice, and this is a tougher group to preach to because their stomachs are growling. That's different than the early service. Here they're like ready to go to lunch, right? You're ready to go. It's like, come on, preacher, you know. I'm on my last point. Women, you can grab your purses. We're getting ready, amen? I want you to notice it was a collective faith, a collective faith. And by that I mean that collectively they believed that Jesus could heal their paralyzed friend, and collectively they did everything they could to get their friend to Jesus. Here in Luke chapter 5, we're not told how many friends carried the paralyzed man to Jesus, but in Mark chapter 2, he tells us that there were four men that carried this paralyzed man to Jesus. But I want you to notice again the words found in Luke 5 and verse 20. And when he, that is Jesus, saw their faith. Jesus didn't just see the faith of one. He did not even just see the faith of two or three. But rather, I believe the emphasis here of this statement is that Jesus saw the faith of all four men. All four had unwavering faith. 
All four had active faith. All four were collectively praying for Jesus to do a miracle in the life of their paralyzed friend. And my friend, it's because of their collective faith in Jesus that four of them came to the house walking, but five walked home that day. Listen to me, because when we work together with faith, amazing things will happen. Not just when the pastor believes, not just when the staff believe, not just when the deacons believe or when the Sunday school teachers believe, but when we collectively as a church family, we begin to believe by faith and we work together, that's when we see God do amazing things in our churches. These four men were convinced that if they did what they could for their paralyzed friend, Jesus would do that which he and only he could do for that paralyzed man. You see, it would have been easy for them that day to be able to just say, you know what, we tried. (laughs) There's a big crowd here today. This must not be your day. But they said, you know what, we carried you here, and now we're going to figure out a way for you to see Jesus and Jesus to see you. And they made the effort and carried that man up to the top of that house. They even tore up the roof and and let that, that man right down in front of Jesus. They did everything they could do to make sure that Jesus healed that man of his paralysis. They couldn't make him walk, but they could pick him up and carry him to Jesus. Amen? It's just like we often say, we can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. Uh, Your pastor can't save anybody. You can't save the people that need to be saved in your life. But you can carry them to Jesus, right? That's what these four men did. They took him to Jesus, the one who could make him walk. Think about it, because if it had not been for the faith of these four men, this man would have never met Jesus He would have never been healed of his paralysis and he would have never had his sins forgiven. I believe you would agree with me that these four men made an eternal difference in the life of their friend, right? And folks, you can do the same in someone's life. There's someone who needs a friend like these four men. (laughs) Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's your neighbor, your coworker. Maybe it's a friend that you've had for a long time, but they need Jesus, and you know that they need Jesus. There's a time whenever we need to quit talking about it, and we need to do something about it. And that's what these four men did. They had seen what Jesus did for others, but they said, you know what? We believe that Jesus can do a miracle in the life of our friend. And so what they do? They picked him up, Matt and all, and said, we're going to carry you there. One way or the other, you're going to see Jesus today. And Jesus made the difference. My guess is that all of us know somebody. I know I know some people like that. I know I'm dealing with a couple right now that if if God doesn't show up and God doesn't do something amazing, they're going to end up in divorce. We all know people that are struggling with things in their lives. And our job is to point them to Jesus. 
constantly point them to Jesus. Tell them that Jesus has the answer. There's always hope with Jesus. Jesus has the power to do the impossible in our lives. When we come to our wits end, it's time for us to look up to Jesus because He and He alone has the answer to all of our problems. This church is a ministry of faith, right? It's a ministry of faith. You started this church from scratch, probably with a few people, maybe from Chillicothe. And from there, God began to bless your faith, and He began to bless your work, faith with works. And God began to bring more and more people to this church, and it's now grown to where it is today. But God's not finished with this church. I believe some greater days are still in store in the future. But the only way that, that those greater days are going to be seen and those greater days are going to be experienced is for you to continue to walk not by sight, but walk by faith. Be a faith church where you are trusting God. You have an unwavering faith. It is a faith that is not passive, but active. And it is a faith that is collectively part of a characteristic of your church not just for your pastor to have faith praise God for his faith amen in leading you to where you are today but all of us need to be men and women of faith for we trust God to do the impossible in our churches we need that kind of faith at Canton and I believe we need that kind of faith right here at Lighthouse will you stand with me please heads are bowed and eyes are closed We're going to have an invitation where we invite you to respond to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about today. There might be somebody here that needs to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of grace. Salvation is by God's grace through faith in His Son Jesus Christ plus nothing and minus nothing. Some of you might need to come today and trust Jesus as your personal Savior. Make this the day of salvation in your heart and life. Maybe others need to come and make the decision to be baptized. I know today at Canton, we had 13 that followed the Lord in believer's baptism. Maybe today you say, I know I'm saved, preacher, but I need to be baptized. I need to take that first step of obedience. Today's the day I, I need to make that spiritual decision in my life. Maybe you've been visiting here at Lighthouse for some time now, and God's given you peace about uniting with this church, that this is the church where you need to belong. You need to become a member, serve here, worship here, give here, be a part of what God is doing here at this church. Come talk to Pastor Nathan about that today. But I'm convinced also that all of you, whenever I was talking about that someone that we know that needs Jesus, some of you need to come and pray by name for that person today. Maybe just to gather around the altar here and pray and say, Lord, use me. I don't want my faith to be passive. I want it to be active. Help me to point them to you. What is God speaking to you about today? Maybe you have a burden on your heart that you just need to bring to God today. Maybe you were here in Sunday school and you heard that, but God, but God can make a difference. 
Heavenly Father, speak to hearts today. May your will be accomplished in this invitation. We pray for victory in the lives of your people today. May we walk out of here fully convinced, Lord, that our faith is to be unwavering. Our faith is to be active. Our faith is to be collective. Our faith is to be a strong faith in a strong God. God, I pray that today will be a spiritual turning point in our lives. We ask in Christ's name.